You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Today on Preaching Source, our guest is Pastor Nathan Leno. Uh, Nathan is a graduate of Texas A&M University and Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. He's the founding pastor of Northeast Houston Baptist Church, and he's been the lead pastor there since 2002. And Pastor Lino is the current president of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. Just a side note, uh, he uh, is Caucasian, but he is an African. He was born in South Africa, where he lived until he was 11. And so we're delighted to have you with us. Uh, Nathan, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you so much for having me. All right. You planted Northeast Houston Baptist Church in 2002. So uh, would you begin by talking to us about why preaching is essential for effective church planting? Well, a, a healthy church is built on the Word of God, and it's built by the Holy Spirit of God through the Word of God. And so though church planters are so busy and overwhelmed in the early days with all of the responsibilities that have to take place during the week, it is essential for church planters to make their preaching ministry their primary ministry uh, and responsibility every week from day one. And so, you know, I know from my early years in church planting how hard it is to do all the visitor follow-up and make sure that's taken care of and and uh, making sure equipment is hauled around from storage facilities and U-Hauls get rented every week and that all these logistics are coming together. Uh, but it is essential for a church planter from day one to make his preaching ministry his priority because that church will only be built on the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God. And as goes the preaching in the early days, so will go that church in, in, the, in the season of its life where it's putting its roots down. Okay. Now, you talk about the primacy of preaching, but you also mentioned the things that belong to the area of pastoral care. And I've heard you speak and write on, on the preacher's pastoral responsibilities. Uh, talk to us about that. How do you balance those, and, and how do you integrate those, preaching and pastoral care? Yeah, well, I, I think they're very closely related, and I think the pastoral care flows out of the preaching. I think at all times a pastor's preaching ministry is his primary responsibility. Um, when it comes to shepherding the flock and preaching and pastoral care, uh, central to shepherding is leadership. And a pastor's uh, primary place of leading is the pulpit. As goes your preaching, so will go your ministry. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a saying in ministry that if you preach well, your people will forgive almost anything. But if you preach poorly, they will forgive nothing. And there is something about it when you stand up on Sunday morning and the anointing of God is on you. And the people know you're a sinner. They know you're a broken vessel. They know you're a mortal human being. But when you stand in that pulpit you, and you preach with the authority of God, there is a uh, otherworldly permission that they give you to lead them. And that's when they believe that God's hand is on you. They believe that you are the shepherd. They believe that you are the man that God has provided to stand guard over their souls, Hebrews 13, verse 17. And that then just flows right into pastoral care ministry. Uh, they, they let you into their lives, um, 
and allow you to deal with some of the most sensitive and tender things that they have going on because of what they see in the pulpit on Sunday morning. Everything about a successful, and I I use that in the most spiritual way I can, everything about a successful pastorate begins with what happens on the pulpit on Sunday morning. All right. Uh, This may sound like an odd question, but it it just uh, uh, popped into my mind here. Do, Do you have any favorite passages to preach and why? You know, I really don't have a particular uh, favorite passage. I, I think that my favorite in preaching is to mix things up. I, I love uh, the different genres of Scripture. I love the personal challenge of trying to become better at preaching all of the genres instead of just one. And I think it's really, really helpful to my people for me to change up uh, genres. So I, I preach through books of the Bible. That's, that's my, 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 my approach to preaching. And, and so, you know, to preach through one of the Gospels, to preach through an epistle, to preach through wisdom literature, to preach through, uh, you know, a, a book of the Pentateuch, just mixing up the genre is uh, probably my favorite thing about okay. taking passages. Uh, Nathan, your your congregation puts a strong emphasis on uh, intentional prayer as well as biblical exposition. Uh, talk to us a, a little bit about the relationship in the life of the church between preaching and prayer, and then a, a follow-up to that is what what role does prayer play in your own preparation for preaching? Well, I say that the role between the relationship between Prayer and preaching is no less than the relationship between the Holy Spirit of God and preaching. Um, there is there is no there is no point in preaching from the preparation of the sermon to the delivery of the sermon to the aftermath effect of a sermon that does not require the presence and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. See, I believe that a sermon is a particular message for a particular audience on a particular Sunday. When I stand up on Sunday morning to preach a sermon, I believe with all my heart it is literally a message from the throne room of heaven to my congregation for that Sunday, and I believe it's the primary message of God for my people for that week. I encourage them to listen to other podcasts. I encourage them to go to Bible studies. They need more Bible learning every week than what they get out of my sermon on Sunday morning, but that does not change the the fact that my sermon on Sunday morning is the main message God wants them meditating on all week and talking to Him about all week. And so, okay, that, that then means when I'm writing that sermon all week long, I've got to be spending a lot of time with the Holy Spirit of God. I'm looking at a text, and I've got to do the legwork. You've got to grind in preparation. You've got to know what that text is saying. But at the same time, you can't just take what the text is saying and form your own commentary and deliver it on Sunday. You've got to say to the Holy Spirit of God, now that I know what you meant here with this passage, what do you want your people this Sunday, this flock, to know about this? How do you want it presented? And you've got to spend time with the Spirit till He burns that message into your heart and then when you stand up Sunday morning, if he is not in you, well, of course he's in you, but if he is not filling you because you've grieved him, he's quenched, it's going to fall flat. And so there's just no point at which the Holy Spirit is not essential, essential to the process of preaching. And without the pastor spending the time needed laboring in prayer. 
That's what he responds to. So, so that's why I say the relationship between prayer and preaching is no less than the relationship between the Holy Spirit and preaching. All right, now that that's a profound insight that you you just laid out. That after after uh, your prayerful, studious exegesis of the passage, you you say, okay, to the Holy Spirit, I I now understand what you are saying through this passage now. What do you want my people this Sunday to do about it? That's a profound insight. Wow. Uh, that was worth the price of the whole interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, you, you've written an interesting article on why listening to mm. a sermon is hard to do, especially in this contemporary technological age. So wh- why, can you summarize that? Why, why is listening to a sermon hard work? Well, I mean, listening to the sermon's hard work for obvious reasons. We live in a culture, you know, especially here in the United States, of of so much multimedia, uh, people getting all their information in sound bites, people wanting to be entertained, people wanting everything coming in some titillating form. And and listen, in no other arena of life does anyone sit and listen to a forty minute monologue. Nowhere, especially without the opportunity to interact with it in real time. In no other arena of life do they listen to a 40-minute monologue, except they show up on Sunday morning, and there's this man who's just going to stand up there and turn to a text in the Bible and spend 40 minutes unpacking it. And so they're not trained to sit there for 40 minutes and pay attention uh, that long. They're not trained to think critically for 40 minutes. And so I think one of the great uh, uh, tragedies of the church today is that pastors don't understand that part of our responsibility to teach our flock is to teach them how to listen to a sermon. We, we spent years learning how to deliver a sermon, and we never teach the audience anything about how we deliver a sermon so they can receive it. And we, just, we, we want to spend years knowing how to say it and they get no training on how to receive it. And Communication Theory 101 says that communication is a sender and a receiver. you got to train both sides. And so they need to know things like every sermon has a big idea, so they can be listening for it. They need to know how every big idea gets unpacked into big rocks or division statements, so they can be listening for them. They need to have some working knowledge of what you're doing in delivering that message just some working knowledge of communication theory. So, you know, once in a while at our church, we'll actually do intentional teaching about it. Wow. Uh, actually training your people how to listen to sermons. Sure, absolutely. Wow. Uh, President Paige Patterson says that one of the objectives of text-driven preaching is to teach people to read their Bibles better. And, absolutely. Uh, so it sounds very much like that, you know, uh, teaching people how to hear biblical instruction, how to receive exposition and, and make it applicable. Oh, yeah. If you, if you can create categories in their mind for how to filter a sermon, the, the rate of biblical literacy uh, exponentially increases. Mm, wow. Now, uh, you're a guest on campus today. You're preaching in chapel. You were here last night and spoke for a student forum on pastoral ministry, and you mm-hmm. said something during that forum that, as a professor of preaching, <laughs> made me sit up and take note. Uh, when you were asked the question, 
what would you change about your seminary experience? What would you like to have uh, happened differently? You said you had wished that the preaching courses were harder, that the professors would make them harder. Uh, give us a talk to us about that. What uh, I heard, you gave a great answer last night, but uh, why would you want the preaching courses to be harder? Listen, listen. I appreciate that on the whole, you know, preaching professors try to use a lot of positive reinforcement to help guys figure out how to preach better. But the honest truth is the Word of God is offensive. It is offensive to your congregation who are saved and being saved in terms of sanctification. Strongholds do not break down easily, and it is really offensive to the public square. And you as a pastor are called to speak the truth of God both to your people who are being sanctified, and to be the voice of God in the public square in your community. When pastors are silent at the wrong time about things going on in the public square, society is void of the voice of God. Okay, well, here's the thing. When you speak the Word of God to your people who are still being sanctified and to culture, there is no positive reinforcement about things they don't like. It, it is, you get brutalized. And so when we come out of preaching class in seminary and we're used to this tender, loving care uh, and we have thin skin, a lot of our preachers, uh, to use Hebrew's language, shrink back when preaching becomes real, scared, paralyzed by fear. And, and here's the other thing, Dr. McCarty. Uh, the other reason I think preaching class needs to be a lot harder is not just to toughen guys up, but guys preach way below their potential for years when they first get into ministry. Now, here's the thing. A seminary preaching class cannot produce a polished preacher. I always say until you've preached 100 sermons or more, you don't even really know who you are as a preacher yet. You've got to try out different styles and ways just to see how God's wired you as a preacher. We're all different. Maybe you're a props guy. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a multimedia during my sermon guy. Maybe you're not. So you've got to figure out who you are. It takes 100 sermons. So a, a class can't produce the finished product. But what a class can do is set an expectation in the mind of a preacher for how good his sermon should be, for how hard he needs to work at his sermon. And listen, we both know that a good sermon, when you hear a good sermon, there was hours of sitting alone at a desk grinding for that to happen. There was practice of the delivery. And there is, there's no shortcuts. You know, in the, in the sports world, they, 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 there's a saying where, where uh, uh, hard work outworks talent every time. In preaching world, that, that translates. And it doesn't matter how talented you are. If you're relying on talent, your preaching will always be below, far below your potential. There is no substitute for just sitting and grinding and working hard to produce a good sermon. Wow. Um, Nathan, sort of a final question here, but what could, what do you see as the greatest need in preaching today? Courage. Hmm. I think, uh, I think as culture is in its downward spiral, as the sexual revolution only grows in velocity, and as the sexual revolution is pitted against religious freedom, and at the end of the day, religious freedom is, a, you know, the attack on religious freedom is an effort to contain the message of the church to the walls of the church, when we all know that religious freedom is the right to live out your convictions in the public square. So, so as the sexual revolution gets pitted against religious freedom and the attack on preachers and churches only grows, it's going to require otherworldly courage 
for pastors to preach the Word of God in the coming days. And anything we can do to instill courage in our pastors is really what we need to be focusing on. Nathan, the last time you preached in chapel here at Southwestern, you made a, a passionate plea for students to consider coming to Houston as church planters. So uh, let me give you, since you've been nice enough to share your time with us today, let me give you an opportunity to give a little bit of a commercial here. Why, why should someone uh, consider uh, uh, or seek out and, and sort through perhaps a call from God to come to Houston to plant a church? Yeah, I appreciate that. Listen, I know Houston's right in the buckle of the Bible Belt, but, but, but here's the truth about Houston. Number one, it is the fastest-growing megacity in America. Number two, it has surpassed New York City as the most diverse city in America. Uh, it, Houston, ironically, is a secular and pagan city. Um, and there are giant population growth areas in our city with no healthy churches at all, and some with no churches at all, believe it or not. And Houston has a shortage of churches, and we desperately need men to hear the call of God and to come to Houston. And my prayer is that God would be working in the hearts of preachers with a Macedonian call, like he gave Paul when Paul was in Troas to come over to Europe. And I'm just praying that God puts it in the hearts of preachers to come to Houston and to plant churches uh, where there is just explosive growth and the world is coming together. Well, our speaker today has, our guest today has been uh, a man who for 14 years has poured his heart into the city of Houston, Pastor Nathan Leno, pastor of Northeast Houston Baptist Church, and also the current president of the Southern Baptist of Texas Convention. And I'm looking forward here uh, uh, this fall in serving as your parliamentarian at the annual meeting of the SBTC. And uh, it's always good to be with you, Pastor Leno. God bless you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it.